welcome everybody, good to see you. Welcome everybody here in Waukesha, everybody over in Pewaukee and online, great to have you uh, with us. Today we're beginning a brand new series called Rebuild. Really excited to uh, share with you the story of uh, Nehemiah, about how God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls around the city of, of Jerusalem. It's uh, an amazing, uh, amazing story. Can't wait to uh, tell you about it. Uh, but the concept of rebuilding has really intrigued me. It's this idea that starts with something that was built and then it comes apart and then we've got all these pieces that we need to put back together. Kind of sounds like the condition of our world right now, uh, doesn't it? This pandemic and the events of the past year have impacted all of our lives. It's been a tough year, been a difficult uh, year. I don't think anybody was sad to see 2020 uh, leave and begin a new year. I saw this picture that said, if uh, 2020 were a hula hoop, it would be made out of barbed wire. Yeah, it's been a painful year, a difficult year with lots of bad uh, news. But uh, are you guys ready to hear some good news? You wanna hear some good news? I got some good news to tell you. Yeah, yeah, you guys have watched uh, Charity Miller go through her uh, pregnancy and uh, you know she's on stage most weeks here in, in Waukesha singing periodically over in Pewaukee. She finally had the uh, baby and uh, introduced uh, Lily Grace Miller, seven pounds, 15 ounces. Yeah. Charity and Jordan, they're probably watching. She had the baby on Monday morning and she, she worked right up until the birth, literally. She came in Monday, uh, worked until 10 a.m. and uh, went and had the baby at 11.08 a.m. Yeah, that's cutting it close, isn't it? And uh, we're just so happy for them as God continues to build their uh, family. God's a builder. God's a creator. God loves to build and rebuild our lives. And that's good news for all of us. This pandemic has impacted all of us uh, differently. Some of us have had things in our life just completely blown apart. Others of us have maybe have been Im impacted marginally. Some of us, maybe we've had some areas in our life that have gotten better. But this is a time, this is a season of rebuilding for all of us, we've been impacted in some way, rebuilding jobs and businesses, rebuilding marriages and families and friendships, rebuilding economically, uh, rebuilding our health, uh, rebuilding even our church. Our friend of mine put it this way, this rebuilding challenge, think about this, it's probably the greatest and most important challenge of our lifetimes. And so this is a really important time in our history. It's a really important series for our church and there's no better example of rebuilding than Nehemiah. So I hope you'll join us over these next couple weeks as we figure out how to rebuild together. No matter where your, your, your life is at with this today, God can use your circumstances, God can use your life uh, to do something amazing, just like he used Nehemiah. Let me give you some brief history about Nehemiah. Jewish history began uh, 2000 BC with the story of uh, Abraham, but it wasn't until about 1,000 years later that the nation of Israel really took hold with King David and King Solomon. But at the end of King Solomon's reign, the people had drifted so far from God that Israel divided as a nation. Ten tribes went north, but they were completely destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 BC. The other two tribes went south and remained a nation until the Babylonians invaded in 586 BC. They forced the Jews into captivity and they completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem. In fact, in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, it says, it says this, they set fire to God's temple 
broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. The Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and left them defenseless without walls. The Jews needed to rebuild, but they couldn't because the Babylonians forced them into captivity and slavery where they lived in exile in what is now in modern day Iraq. But then 140 years later, the Persians conquer the Babylonians. The Persians set the Jews free. Some of them go back to Jerusalem to rebuild, but without any leader or king or government or resources, they just scattered through the Middle East and had no identity as God's holy nation. And that brings us to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was also a Jew, but after getting set free, Nehemiah stays in Persia, and he goes to work for the king, King Artaxerxes, in the city of Susa, which is modern-day Iran, located about 800 miles from uh, the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had a very interesting job in Persia. He served as the cup bearer. Now, uh, scholars kind of debate whether this was a a really bad job or maybe it was a good job. Uh, In ancient times, if somebody wanted to kill a king, they would poison his drink, poison his food. And so what the king would do before he would eat something or, or drink something, he'd say to the cup bearer, here, taste this drink this, and he would watch to see if the cupbearer keeled over. And so that was the uh, bad part of the job. I mean, it's a, it's a dead-end job uh, for real. You know, I, if, I, if I worked in, in, in that job as a cupbearer, I would want to make sure that I had good insurance and good benefits because if things didn't go well, I could be out of a job, I could be out of a life. And it sounds like a bummer job, uh, but it wasn't all bad. I mean, he got to drink wine uh, for a living, and uh, he got to eat the king's food. He got to watch satellite TV at the king's palace. He lived in comfort and developed a close, high-trust relationship with the king. And so the job had an upside, but he has to live 800 miles from his home, his true home in Jerusalem until Nehemiah feels the call of God and he leaves his comfort to do something kind of crazy. And so before we really dive into the story of Nehemiah, I wanna ask you to ask yourself, am I ready to take a risk and leave my place of comfort so that God can use me to do something amazing? as we rebuild together, and more importantly, are we the kind of church that's ready to do greater things for God as we rebuild to an even better place? Here's how the book of Nehemiah begins. One day, uh, some of Nehemiah's friends take the trip from Jerusalem to Susa, and the news they deliver to Nehemiah, it's not good news. In verse 3 of chapter 1, here's what they report to Nehemiah. Uh, They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned without fire. Now, without, without walls, I mean, they, they had no protection from outside uh, forces. A city was only as strong as its walls. This is an embarrassment for God and God's people. And when Nehemiah hears this news, it crushes him. He goes on in the next verse, and he says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Notice, this wasn't a short cry. This news ruins Nehemiah. 
For several days, he mourns and fasted and, and prayed, but not just for himself. Uh, it was because of an injustice that was taking place back at his home in Jerusalem. And so as we get into this story today, I want to show you three ways that God will work in your life to do an amazing rebuilding work. Here's the first way. First of all, like Nehemiah, God will break your heart over something. Let me ask you a question. What breaks your heart? What is the wall for you? You know, what is it that when you see it on TV or you hear it on the news or you see it happening in our community, at your workplace, in your school, in our church, it just pierces your heart and it pierces you so deeply, it makes you want to cry. I want to urge you, don't dismiss that emotion. Don't suppress that, that emotion. Let those tears and emotions uh, feel those because that can indicate how God is speaking to you because he wants you to rebuild something. On the other hand, if you're like, Ben, you know, nothing breaks my heart. I mean, I could care less uh, about uh, anything. I would be concerned if that's the way that you feel. I could care less about anything. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, and, and I know maybe some of us would not consider ourselves followers of, of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, I mean, we're just glad you're here. We love having you here. But if you are a follower of Jesus, at times in life, God will break your heart with what breaks his. And if your heart never breaks, that might be a sign that God is absent from your life. What is it that breaks your heart? You know, it reminds me of the old uh, cartoon, uh, Popeye the Sailor Man. Maybe some of you remember that cartoon. The, those of you that are younger, when you hear the name Popeye, maybe you think of uh, Popeye's restaurant, the uh, chicken restaurant. Uh, actually, Popeye's restaurant, chicken restaurant, has used uh, Popeye in their advertising, which uh, surprises me a little bit because Popeye wasn't really known for eating chicken. He was known for eating what? Spinach. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you got it. Popeye was an ordinary sailor man who had a girlfriend. Anybody remember her name? Yeah, olive oil. She was very skinny, had a high squeaky voice, but she was a looker uh, back then. Uh, this really mean guy named uh, Brutus. I mean, he constantly tried to steal olive oil from uh, Popeye. And Popeye was easygoing, uh, real patient at first, but he would get to a point when he would say these words, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And Popeye would start fighting Brutus. And, and every time, Brutus would just start pounding on Popeye. He would hit Popeye so hard. Popeye's head would spin. It would spin up and it would spin back down. As a kid watching the television, you would start yelling at the TV, Popeye, eat your spinach. He'd grab a can of spinach, suck it down his pipe, and his forearms would balloon to triple size. And Popeye would hit Brutus so hard, Brutus would just fly off the screen and he would take care of the problem. It was a great show. And this is what happens to Nehemiah. He has a Popeye moment. He hears the bad news about Jerusalem, about the condition of Jerusalem, and he basically says, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And so I want to ask you again, what can't you stand? What breaks your heart? What is your wall? You know, maybe it's the plight of uh, neglected or uh, bullied or hurting children. Uh, maybe it's those who uh, live in poverty and don't have access to clean drinking water. Maybe it's those who've been trafficked and abused all their life. Maybe it's those who are stuck 
in an addiction. Maybe it's those who've never heard about Jesus. They've never experienced a personal relationship with Jesus. They've never, they've never had a connection with a church. I wanna share just a few heartbreaking numbers with you related to the pandemic. According to a survey by the CDC, one in four young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 have seriously considered suicide during this pandemic season. One in four young adults. In the month of September of 2020, over half of 11 to 17 year olds reported having thoughts of suicide or self-harm nearly every day of the previous two weeks. Let that sink in. Over half of 11 to 17 year olds. There's also a 93% increase in those who are seeking help for anxiety. During the pandemic, the number of people looking for divorce is up 34% over the previous year. Now, I'm not trying to bring us down. I'm not trying to uh, discourage us. No, I'm trying to help us face reality because as a church, we were made for times like this. I mean, we have the message of love and hope that the world needs more than ever right now. We've got a great opportunity in front of us to help people rebuild their lives and their marriages and their, and, and their families through Jesus. So what breaks your heart and stirs such emotion in you that you say, somebody's got to do something about this? I urge you, pay attention to that emotion because when God wants to use you to rebuild something, he starts by breaking your heart. You know, something fascinating to me about the story of Nehemiah, when he receives the bad news about Jerusalem, this didn't just happen. It actually happened 140 years earlier. This would be like me getting up here today and saying, hey, everybody, President Abraham Lincoln was shot and uh, killed. And then I'm all sad about it for you know, three months or, or four months. And uh, you'd be like, hey, that's a bummer about uh, President uh, Lincoln. Uh, yeah, that's bad. But uh, you know, Ben, that happened a long time ago. And you know, many of us have kind of moved on emotionally. Here's what I'm saying. This was probably not new information for Nehemiah. It's a new perspective for Nehemiah. I believe God opened his heart to have a new perspective. And maybe during this past year, maybe during this pandemic, God's given some of you a new perspective and a broken heart because he wants you to help rebuild something just like Nehemiah. Here's a second way that God will work uh, in your life to do a rebuilding work. He will prompt you to, to pray. I want you to notice how Nehemiah prayed right after he heard the bad news about Jerusalem. If you're like me, you know, what's the first thing that you do after you hear bad news? I try to fix it, you know? I try to manage the crisis. I try to deal with it. But I'm trying to change that in my life. I'm trying to go first to God in prayer. I heard this statement that let your tears be the trigger to pray. Let your tears and emotion be the trigger that maybe I should go to God about this. I had something happen last week that kind of brought me down and at first I tried to fix it. That didn't, that didn't really help and I, so I prayed about it. A couple other people prayed with me about it and it wasn't solved right away. But after we prayed, I felt peace in my heart. After we prayed, I knew God was going to help me through this situation. That's why Nehemiah prayed right after having a good cry because Nehemiah knew God's bigger than any problems that we face. God knows all about our problems and issues and he can rebuild anything in our life and make it better than ever. But he waits for us 
to come to him in prayer. Nehemiah made prayer his first priority, not his last resort. In the book of Nehemiah, we, we, we read about him saying prayers 12 different times. He hears about the walls coming down in Jerusalem. He didn't just jump in and start doing something about it. He took about four months to pray before he did anything else. Look at how Nehemiah begins his prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Notice, he doesn't start out with the need. He doesn't start out and say, God, you need to do something about this because of who we are. No, he says, God, you need to do something because of who you are. He bases his prayer on God's character. God, you're awesome. You're great. You keep your promises to those you love and love you back. And then he continues, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I love this phrase, day and night. God, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep knocking on heaven's door. I think God loves bold prayers like that. I think about some of the prayers I pray. You know, God, be with me. But God's always with me. God bless me, God watch over me. Nothing wrong with those prayers, those are good prayers, but I think sometimes God is like, give me something more to work with. Pray some bold prayers. I'm this, I'm this great and awesome and powerful God and you're just asking me to be with you. What if I prayed prayers like, God, help me reach three people at work or at school this year. God, use me to lift two children out of poverty this year. Or God, use our church to take more ground in Waukesha and Pewaukee and all around Milwaukee. I think God loves bold prayers. And I love what Nehemiah prays next. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands. Notice, it wasn't just a, a, a personal confession. It was a national confession. Nehemiah wasn't even born when the people sinned and turned from God, but he joined in responsibility. He prays, God, Jerusalem is in ruins and it's our fault. We turned from you. We drifted from you. We disobeyed you. It's not your fault. It's our fault. Nehemiah knew that God loves a humble prayer of confession. Scripture says that God gives grace to the humble, which means he blesses the, the humble. He protects and advances the cause of those who are humble like Nehemiah. And it's also a prayer of confidence. He prays, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence, look at this, of this man. This man is the king, King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah's boss. What happened in Jerusalem bothered Nehemiah greatly, but he believed that it could change. And so Nehemiah prays for an opportunity to talk with the king about what God has put on his heart. And as he gets ready to go in and see the king, he prays, God, give me an opportunity. God, give me success. Listen to what Pastor Andy Stanley and author Andy Stanley says about this. Nehemiah prayed for opportunities to share his plan, an open door to talk with the king. Our tendency is to pray for miracles, but in most situations, it's more appropriate to pray for opportunities. More than likely, you need an opportunity rather than something supernatural. 
If you're a parent, you probably have a a vision for your children. Instead of, of simply praying that they would become men and women of character, pray for opportunities to build character into their lives. Your vision involves you. You have a role. You have a part to play. If you have a vision for unbelieving friends, don't simply pray that they will be saved. Pray for an opportunity to speak to them about Christ, to have a relationship with him. Isn't it interesting that Nehemiah didn't pray for God to rebuild the wall? He prayed for the opportunity to go rebuild it himself. And that's why the third way that God will work in your life to rebuild something is that he will move you to action because prayer and action, they go together. When God breaks your heart over something, pay attention because that emotion is a trigger for you to pray and for you to move into action. Nehemiah probably felt some confusion, like, you know, God, I'm 800 miles away from Jerusalem. Isn't there somebody else that can maybe do something about this? I mean, Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a a king or a warrior or a contractor. He's just an ordinary guy, and God breaks his heart to move him into action. You know, sometimes people have a Popeye moment And uh, they feel a burden and they say, you know, why doesn't somebody else care about this? Or, you know, maybe somebody else should do something about this. Sometimes people come to me and they feel upset about maybe 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 an unmet need they see in the community, maybe an unmet need they see in the church. And they say, Ben, you should do something about this. Ben, your church should do something about this. But here's how I've learned to respond to those situations. First of all, it's not my church. It's our church, right? It's God's church. And second, maybe God put that burden on your heart because he wants you to do something about it. Maybe that issue that is burning in your heart is there because God wants to use you to rebuild something. You know, for example, maybe you work with people who are far from God and they live much differently than than you do and and that burdens you. Yeah, that... uh, That breaks your heart. But maybe God put that burden on your heart because God wants you to look at your job not just as a place to make money, but as a place to make a difference. Not just a place to make money, but as a place to minister to people, to care for people, to love people, whoever they are. And so Nehemiah cries for several days. The tears trigger him to pray for four months. And then he moves into action. Even though he feels this burn in his heart, he doesn't just barge in and make a demand to the king. He waits for the right time. And finally, that moment comes when Nehemiah serves wine to the king. The king noticed that Nehemiah was sad and asked asked him, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Look at what Nehemiah says. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? But I want you to notice something here. Even though Nehemiah knows it's the right action and it's the right time, look at this, he is afraid. And you're gonna have to overcome fear when you do a rebuilding work that God calls you to do. And prayer can help you deal with it. Look at what he says. Nehemiah says in the next verse, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. He's already prayed for four months, but now he prays a short quiet prayer. It's like texting a prayer to God. God, give me the words. God, give me the wisdom. God, show me what to say. And look at what he asks of the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. But think about it. 
I mean, how's Nehemiah going to rebuild Jerusalem? He's not a contractor. He doesn't have skills. How's he going to do it? Who knows? He hasn't figured out all, all that out yet. But God broke his heart, and he says, somebody's got to do something about it, and it might as well be me. Let me go and rebuild it. I'm telling you, if God breaks your heart over, over something, don't ignore that. Even if you don't know, you know, how to do it or, or what exactly to do, if you are willing, God will use you like he used Nehemiah to do something amazing. Not only did Nehemiah ask the king for a leave of, of absence so that he could go and rebuild uh, the wall, he asked for uh, travel documents, he asked for lumber from the king's forest, he asked for troops from the king's army, he asked for everything. And I love this final statement, because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. The king gave Nehemiah everything that he asked for. And so let me ask you one more time, what is it that breaks your heart? Are you willing to say, God, use me? I don't know exactly how to do it, but I'm willing. I'm willing to go and, and do it. And you know what? It may not be something 800 miles away. It might be right there in your home, right there in your workplace, right here at church. What is the wall? What's the wall for you? Before we pray, I want to just share a few examples with you of people whose heart broke over something, and they said, somebody's got to do something about this, and it might as well be me. Kristen Pekarski and Debbie Patz have both suffered more grief and loss than most people. Kristen has lost uh, two husbands and a son. Debbie has lost two sons, and they've both been through a lot, and they've learned a lot. And now God has put it on their hearts to help other people deal with grief and loss. And I'm so glad they're going to be launching a grief recovery group in March. For Darren and Lisa Winger, their heart breaks over people dealing with cancer and their families. They experienced cancer in their family. And God gave them a burden to help others. They started the, the, the Healing Haven and they help people going through cancer in practical ways. They do amazing rebuilding work. For almost seven years, Kevin and Linda Kramer have led Celebrate Recovery. They meet every Monday night in the student center. Their heart breaks for people who are struggling with habits and hurts and hangups. I'm so grateful for Kevin and Linda and their team and how God is using them to rebuild so many lives. Beth Maurer uh, currently watches online. She's not comfortable yet uh, attending services in person because of COVID, but she comes every Monday morning uh, to our Waukesha campus and she cleans all the, all the toys in the children's area. She restocks all the seatbacks in this room. She restocks the lobby because her heart breaks for the mission of Jesus and, and making more and better followers of Jesus. Brad Matter has been volunteering every uh, Saturday night in kid life for 12 years. He comes on, on Saturday night and volunteers. And then he comes back on Sunday to go to church. He teaches the Bible story to preschoolers and he loves uh, watching their faith grow. If your kids have attended Brad's class, they probably talked about the fun props and the snacks that he brings. Chloe Tump, eight years old, and her heart breaks for children in need. Chloe makes beautiful, colorful bracelets, and she sold them, sold some of the bracelets, and took all the money 
and she bought winter jackets and donated them to children in, in need. Way to go, Chloe. And I could go on and on. I mean, we have so many people whose heart broke over something. And they prayed and took action. And God used them to rebuild. Prayer, prayer's first step. Prayer's first step when it comes to rebuilding. And so I want to end uh, with, with a prayer time. But I want us to do it differently. When you came in today, I think we uh, had uh, these boxes on tables. Hopefully you picked one up. If you didn't pick one up, raise your hand and one of the ushers will uh, bring one over uh, to you. If you, have, if you have one, would you go ahead and, and, and take that out? And I want you to uh, grab a pen, and what I want you to do is, is to write a prayer, a rebuilding prayer, on the outside of, of, this, of this box. If you're watching online, you can email a prayer to us, and someone will write that on a box. And we're going to take all these boxes, and we're going to make a wall in the lobby as a reminder of the rebuilding work that God is doing in and through our lives. And so uh, if you're not sure what to write down, but you want to open your heart to God, uh, maybe, maybe write something like this on the outside of the box. God, break my heart. God, break my heart with what breaks your heart. God, give me a burden that you want me to embrace. Maybe God's already put something on your heart. Write it down. Whatever it is, God, use me to make a difference at work. God, use me to make a difference at school. God, give me an opportunity to love my neighbor. Give me an opportunity to help children and students reach their potential. God, use me to to build my family. Use me to build my marriage. Use me to build the church. Whatever God puts on your heart, make it a prayer like Nehemiah. I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then we're going to give you a minute to write a prayer on your box. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the great example of Nehemiah. When he got the news about Jerusalem, he embraced it. And he didn't look around and wonder, will somebody else do something about this? But he said, God, I'm willing. And God, I pray that all of us would be people who find a greater purpose and start paying attention to the things that break your heart, God. And let them break ours too. Guide us right now to feel the burden that you put on our heart and write down a rebuilding prayer. And we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, take a minute, grab a pen, and uh, write a rebuilding prayer on the outside of uh, your box. I'm going to take a moment and, and write one too, and then I'll give you some more instructions.